Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I am Zach. And up next, elite marathoner and coach Andrea Pomeranski discusses returning to the sport and the role of urgency. And after that, the world of running updates about Commonwealth Games, Diamond League, and shoes. Don't forget the most important thing you can do to get involved with the show is to share a question about your training and running experiences. Of course, the reason we do that is because we have found that the most valuable thing we can do on the podcast is to talk about the things that you are thinking about. Mm -hmm. But the only way to know what you're thinking about if we are discounting my capacity for mind reading, (laughs) which I'm fairly good at in general, but we need you to tell us. And the best way for you to do that is to go to adzrunning.com slash question so you can submit any questions about running, training, other things on your mind running related. And then we will answer them at the end of the month in our end of month Q&A episode. Mm-hmm. And if that's not timely enough, by the way, we also answer them in a reply in yeah, the email if yep. it's a timely question and you need a more immediate right. answer than that too. And maybe we might have not be able to get to it on the show or we've already answered it in some capacity recently. So we'll respond to you and hopefully we can even connect with you that way. So yeah, good reasons both direction. And I think the most important part of all of that and why we do it in this way is because even though your question might be the same question someone else has asked, it may not be the same situation. Very rarely is. So the context does define the answer to some degree or another, certainly the nuance. And so ask the question, even if it's something that you feel like we've already answered or discussed in other contexts, it Mm -hmm. may be different for you. Mm -hmm. There you go. A to Z running.com slash question. Or you could just message us or DM me on Instagram. I'm there as well. Now, I do have a promotion again this week, and that's the hip hook from Aletha Health. And you can get a discount using the code A-T-O-Z, A to Z, if you need hip flexor relief. Mm. <laughs> so it's great for triggering or having the trigger release of those points are hard to reach places. So the hip hook helps with that. And it's been helping me immensely and it might help you too. So go to Aletha Health and look at that hip hook and use code A-T-O-Z. Easy. Sorry. Easy to remember because the hip hook helps heal hard to reach places. <laughs> You're trying to think of an H It'd be great there. if it started with an H, but it <laughs> but it didn't. Awesome. Well, now let's get on to our main topic. This week, our main topic is patience with urgency. Now, we're talking to Andrea Pomeranski about her return to running, and she shared a lot of great insight when it comes to her own journey, but I think that it has a lot of value value to all of us as we listen. And one of those big things was having patience with urgency. And to understand that, you're going to have to listen to the episode. Now, a little bit about Andrea. She's an elite runner, now a master's runner, newly masters. She just turned 40. She's newly mastered. Yes, yes. She's a new master and uh, coach uh, at Team Run Run. And we'll let Andrea tell like her whole story, but I did want to give you a couple stats on her because it's pretty fun. Andrea took the USATF road racing circuit by storm this year with an overall fourth place finish in the circuit. And this is her first time doing. Is the circuit done? Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least they had the listing of like where the placement is. So she's fourth. If it's not completed, it. She's fourth right now. Well, fourth at the moment, either way. That's good. (laughs) And this is her first time doing any of the championship races. So super impressive Mm -hmm. in her first ever showing. She was second in the championship half marathon, fifth in the 25K, and 10th in the 6K. And at 39 and 40 years old, like I mentioned, this is her first time racing the circuit. And she was also 10th American in the Boston Marathon and her first pro start at a marathon major at the age of 39 in 2021. Hmm. Pomeranski ran a half marathon PR this year. I'm sorry, marathon PR this year in Houston running 233.38. We're going to talk a lot about that on the show. And this time qualifies her for her third U.S. Olympic trials marathon. Very impressive. Mm -hmm. I am going to 
post on a to z running.com more of her running resume so you're going to want to make sure you check that out just a lot of fun info there with some of her personal best times but the last thing i wanted to mention was a mile pr she also got this year so she got her marathon pr but then also her mile pr and it's a pending masters american record all so, right. yeah, and it's it's pretty sh- it, we're pretty sure it's going to go through because she did a lot of research as to which races she would do, but she ran 445 and that one she didn't know for sure if it was going to get the record, but then she ran a 447 at one that she knew had all the certifications it needed. So, this is a road mile. This is a road record. mile record. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. So so fast. She was a collegiate runner and this is her fastest mile she's ever run. Nice. And you probably are wondering how did that happen? How did this all come to be? Well, we have Andrea on the show today, so we're going to get to talk about it. So let's get to our conversation with Andrea Pomeranski. Hi Andrea, welcome to the A to Z Running podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. We are so excited to have you on the show. I've been following your running career very closely recently. It actually first happened uh, at the LMCU Bridge Run 10 Mile, and yeah. you're, list, you're listed as, as anonymous runner on there. So I had to know, who is this like super fast anonymous runner? Yeah, it was funny. I don't, I don't know exactly how I became the anonymous runner, but I just, I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> so if anybody knows how to fix that, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Run sign up needs, it needs to be able to have a way for you to contact them to fix them. But that was like how I, I it was very mysterious. It actually might work for like some sort of PR move. Who is the anonymous runner? She's so good. It was She's unintentional, so fast. but <laughs> very fun. Anyway, so from there, I like, you know, I found you on Instagram. That sounds so creepy. And I've been following your amazing running uh, since then, but it didn't start there. And I'd love at the beginning of this episode to just have you share your running journey with all of us. And we'll kind of like discuss as we go, but in this episode, we want to talk about the, the return that you've had to running and some of your amazing perspectives that I've heard you share that I think can be so valuable to all of our listeners. So Andrea, would you mean, would you mind uh, just telling us a little bit about your running journey? Yeah. So I started running in high school. I was never really like a national standout, but I was good enough to, uh, to earn a scholarship to run in college. And in college, I was a bit more of a standout, but again, I was never really the type of athlete that was like vying for a national championship or anything like that. So, um, you know, 20 years ago, there there probably wasn't quite the number of opportunities that there are now uh, to run post-collegiately. So I just thought that that was, um, I just thought that that was the end of the road for me um, in terms of competitive running. So at the time I got a job in corporate America, and then I later started following around my husband who was playing pro hockey. <laughs> uh, and we had just a, a lot of fun, um, almost too much fun because then um, when he proposed, I found myself just feeling kind of like really out of shape and not quite like myself. Uh, and also I just, um, <clears throat> I just kind of wanted to look good in my wedding dress. So I, I started running again. And I was having some trouble um, finding the motivation to work out consistently every day with kind of just that end in itself. Um, I like having, you know, goals to, to work towards and to help me get out the door. So I signed up for a half marathon, which at the time um, was kind of this big, scary goal for me. I don't think I had ever run um, 13 miles before. And that, and that was something that excited me. But yet also to where I wasn't comparing myself to my previous times that I had run in college because I didn't really want to get discouraged. I just wanted it to be fun and I wanted to just get in shape. So um, I, I had signed up for the half marathon and I think my goal was to just run under an hour and 30 minutes. Um, to me, that felt like I was pushing myself, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't too far beyond at the time what I, I was capable of. So I ended up running like a, I think a 129 something just barely got under an hour and 30 minutes. And to this day, it's probably one of the most painful races that I've ever run in my whole entire life. <laughs> it was <Wow>. so hard. <laughs> but once I got over that, you know, that feeling of actual pain, I just, I really kind of fell in love with it again and setting a goal and, and hitting it and the process of improvement of getting there. 
Uh, and that was about the time where I had found out about, you know, the allure of Boston. I didn't really know much about Boston before that. Um, and I, you know, I had found out that you had to qualify to get in, which I thought was just like the coolest thing. So then I set a goal of running a full marathon and my goal was to try to qualify for Boston. And like at that time, like I just, I thought that, that was like the pinnacle of running, like qualifying for Boston. What can you possibly do after you qualify for Boston? <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so I trained for a, a few more months and I ended up qualifying, qualifying for Boston. Um, I ran, I think like a 258 at the New York City Marathon, um, which was pretty cool. I snuck under three hours. Uh, and then at that time I got more involved with, um, with a running group. Um, you know, I, I thought you know, if I'm going to do Boston, I want to do it well. And I, I, I kind of connected with a running group, which was um, such a blessing because I, um, some of the people that I met in that running group are still my best friends to this day. And it made it not only made me better, but it made it so much more fun and made the sport just so much more fun connecting and working with other people. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I, I did improve so much um, at the time. And this was um, 10 or 12 years ago. So I ended up running, I think like a 252 at Boston. And then at that point I thought, well, you know, I improved a lot. Like what if I keep doing this and see, see what else I can do. Um, so I ended up uh, six months later running a 241 at the Twin wow. Cities Marathon, which qualified me for the Olympic trials, which was um, just kind of opened up my eyes to this whole new world, like the Olympic trials and um, I just cut off so much time. I was, I was with this group and we were having a lot of fun training. Um, so I kept doing it. And three months after that, I ended up running at 237. Um, <clears throat> and then I just kind of kept the ball ro rolling. And that fall, I was probably in shape to run maybe in the low 230s. And I was in the middle of the Chicago Marathon. I was having a, a, a pretty intense amount of pain in my chest. Um, so I ended up dropping out and a week later I found out that I had two broken ribs and a week after that, my doctor kind of sat me down in his office and said, look, you have osteoporosis. It, it doesn't look good. Um, you, your competitive running days are probably over. Um, but eventually you'll, you'll probably be able to run a couple miles again if you stop now and kind of take care of your body. Uh, so I did that. Um, it was hard, but yeah, I think the real goal, um, for my husband and I was to have a family. So, so we did that. We focused on, you know, just getting healthy and starting, uh, starting a family. So we ended up a couple years later getting pregnant, um, with our first set of twins in, um, honestly in, in a really, um, kind of tragic. And at the time, a, like a, a, what felt like a very devastating, um, way we ended up losing both of them. They were born very prematurely. Um, we ended up losing one son the day that um, they were born and then spent the next five months every day in the, in the NICU with our other son, um, until he eventually, um, contracted a virus and ended up passing away from, from that. Um, and at the time, uh, it was just a very, a very dark period of my life. I thought, um, I just felt like there was like, there was nothing to go on for. It was, um. I tried to put on a show to everybody else. Like I was fine and I was healing and everything was okay. But inside, I just felt like that was it. Like there was just nothing to go on for. Um, and it really wasn't until we ended up about a year later, um, getting pregnant with our two daughters, Annabelle and Zella, who are, um, now vibrant and zesty and full of life. <laughs> um, but it really wasn't until we found out that we were pregnant with them until I, started to see a little bit of, you know, like there's light ahead. And, um, so I don't know if like, if anybody's listening to this, just mm -hmm. to know that, like, mm -hmm. if you're finding yourself in a really dark place, um, you know, there, there is so much light ahead. And, um, and I found that I realize that now, and at the time I didn't see it, but, um, but yeah, just that there's so much, there's so much good ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, uh, had our, our girls, they're beautiful, they're healthy. And then about a year and a half later, we had um, our third child, our son, Cooper. <clears throat> I think because of everything that we had gone through with our, our boys, our first set of twins, I felt like 
a hundred percent of like my life and my time had to be dedicated to these children. Um, and, and for a couple of years, it, it very much felt like that. It was like, I, I loved it. And I had, we had these three beautiful children. I was so grateful. Um, and then when my son was about two, I just felt like I wanted to do like, kind of like something that filled up my own cup again. Um, it felt like I was kind of pouring out everything into, you know, other people. And I just felt like this, um, kind of this pull to do something for something for me uh, again and um, I had always enjoyed running so I started to run and and I love also like I I love setting these like big dreamy goals and then and then kind of chipping away at them that just it's very satisfying to me and that in a way I know kind of probably sounds crazy but that fills up my own cup is to set like this big scary goal and then just go after it that's what lights, lights me up inside. That's what Mm -hmm. is very, I find very satisfying is like just that process of like striving for something. Um, so, and I didn't, I didn't want to do any short stuff. I didn't, and moving my body also is a way to, for me to fill up my own cup. So I knew I wanted to do something physical. Um, and I didn't want to run a marathon because I thought there's, there's no way like I'm ever going to be in shape to run a 237 marathon ever again. I just, there's no way I could, I could never get back in that shape. That's funny looking back on that, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, and especially with three kids and in my mind, I'm like, I, nor do I want to like that. It's took too much effort. It's too much work. I don't want to go there and I don't want to run a marathon, but I want to do something that's physical. And and it's this big, scary, dreamy goal. And it was always on my bucket list to do an Ironman. Uh, so, (laughs) which wasn't as scary to you, which is funny. Well, yeah, I thought, well, it's just, if I can just finish it, like I don't have, there's any time goals, but yet it seems fun. Like, why not? And then when I'm done, I can say I'm, I finished an Ironman. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank uh, God bless my husband. I, I convinced him to do a half with me, um, you know, to see what it was like. And then I later on did go on to do the full and I, um, it, in that process, I, I loved working out, but I, you know, I can kind of tolerate biking. I love really, I love going downhill really fast on the bike. I think it's fun. Uh, I didn't really like swimming that much. I like splashing around in the pool with my kids and that's about it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. getting in the pool was really difficult for me, but I just loved, oh, I love running so much. Um, and I thought that I was um, in the process of training for it. I thought, you know, I was in pretty good shape, but you know, at the end of the marathon, you run like a four hour marathon and you just, you have nothing left. So I just wanted to do one standalone marathon. And I thought that that would be it. Uh, but I ended up um, coming third in the Detroit marathon and running, I think like a 251. And I, I, again, I just kind of fell in love with that process all over again. And then I found out um, four months later that the Olympic trials marathon was going on. And I thought, you know, like I have nothing to lose. Why not just see what I can do for three months, train really hard for three months. Cause I don't want to look back on this moment and think, what if, so I ended up working really hard for three months and I, uh, just barely qualified on the very last day for the trials. I ran, um, uh, with under a minute, I think I ran a two forty four, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Like once I got to the trials, um, and I think I, w- I was ranked maybe like 500 and something going into it and, um, it finished like 140 something. Whoa. Um, yeah, but just being around that energy, you know, and I, I remember like looking at my husband and thinking like, man, I like, I was just breastfeeding and like, we were both just like cleaning up, you know, poopy diapers yesterday. And now I'm competing with the, the best like, athletes in the world. Like this is, it just blew my mind. And more than that, I think just seeing so many moms, you know, it kind of gave me, um, you know, all along I'd thought in my mind, like, why am I doing this? You know, I'm a mom of three. I have no business doing this, running, training, pushing my body hard, like for what? And I think just seeing so many moms out there doing the same thing kind of just allowed me, it gave me permission that it was okay. And that there were other people that felt the same way I did that for whatever reason, wanted to fill up their cup or just felt good pushing their bodies or whatever. It just, it allowed me, um, a a, a bit of peace around, you know, wanting to strive and hit goals again. Mm -hmm. So after that, uh, I ended up getting a coach and, um, thank goodness because then the pandemic hit. Uh, so it was, it was, um, such a blessing, not only to have a really great coach, um, helping me, but also someone to keep me accountable throughout the pandemic, which helped just tremendously. 
and then out like coming out of the pandemic, I was actually in better shape because, you know, during that time, it just, it gave me this kind of outlet during so, so many, you know, tumultuous things going on in the outside world. It was something that I could control that I had to look forward to. Um, so I ended up, um, coming out of the pandemic in better shape than I went in. Uh, and then mm-hmm. at grandma's, I ran a, a two thirty seven, and then it was like a 10 second PR. <laughs> and then I ran That's another awesome. 10 second PR at Boston. And then three months after that, our 4, 11, 10, 11, 12, one, three months after that, um, I ran a four minute PR at Houston and it's just kind of been snowballing since. So it, it's just this whole like process of, Oh, well I did this. If I, if I keep working, like what else can I get a little bit faster? And it's just that process of striving and improving that I've really just fallen in love with. Um, and I think that's why I've seen the improvement that I have is because, you know, it's not like I set out with, Oh, this is what I'm going to do. And it's going to take me three years to do it, but I'm going to stick my nose in and grind. It's like every couple months, it's like, Oh, well, I, I did that. Like what, what else can I do? So it's just really just that process of improvement and has kind of landed me in the spot that I'm in now. Thank you so much for sharing all of that and sharing, (laughs) sharing your heart. And like, I know it's not easy to talk about the darkest periods in our lives. And I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing that with us, really opening yourself up because a lot of us have been in some really dark moments and to hear your journey. And then this way that you're able to fill up so you can pour out through running Mm -hmm. and finding this joy again and chasing after some big goals. We love to hear all of that. And I think a lot of our audience can resonate with bits and pieces of your story. You know, we might not be quite as fast as you, but we can resonate (laughs) with different parts of your story and why running really helps us through our journey. Oh, absolutely. And, um, I, the most, uh, enjoyable and satisfying part of all of this has been, um, just like the people that it's, that has brought that the sport has brought into my life and some of my best friends and, um, just the way in which like my family has showed up for me is just like, almost like brings me to tears. You know, my parents, my, um, in-laws, you know, I'm, it's like, oh, well, I think I'm, I kind of want to do this race again. And they're like, oh yeah, sure. Like when you, how can we help? When can you, when do you want to drop off the kids? And just seeing, you know, my husband kind of support me throughout this process too. Um, with three kids, I know it's not always the easiest, but he always shows up and helps and supports me. I feel so grateful to have the support that I have because I, there's no way with three kids that I could do this without a huge support team and community. So it's just been, um, it's yeah, it's been an unexpected uh, surprise. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing to do it together for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And what I'm hearing you say too, is that goal of having it be something that you enjoyed and having it be that piece of yourself kind of stayed as Mm -hmm. like a primary goal with these other challenges that you, that you built upon as you progressed, you know, setting just goals and incentives on along the way. I mean, with each workout, it's like, okay, this is the goal I have for this workout. And that kind of progresses each week. And then your goal for the season and it progresses each season. You get, you get that one maybe. And then it's, you set a little bit bigger one, but something, you know, I think, um, you know, there's this, each athlete, you were trying to get in the state of flow, right. And it's setting a goal that's maybe just beyond your reach, but within your reach. And I tried to do that with each season. You know, I'm not setting one that's way far above what I'm capable of because then it's not fun. And if I don't get it, then I'm discouraged and I want to, and I want to quit. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it's setting reasonable goals, but something that's maybe just out of your reach that you're still striving for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as you are returning, I'm kind of going back to the beginning phases where you're, you're learning to love it again. You are having that piece of yourself that's back. It helps you feel more alive, more of yourself because you're pouring out, pouring out right in your daily Mm -hmm. life. Um, how are you able to do that healthily, that progression of coming back to running healthily? Were there routines that you were doing? Um, what was your mindset around training in general, or were you just getting out for a run and the little bits that you could here and there? What was that like? Um, yeah, I, I think you have to be kind of methodical when you're coming back because you don't want to go too soon, too fast, because then you'll get injured and you're right back at square one. Um, and so I think, and I was listening to, I had some kind of ideas in my head of what I, I wanted to kind of touch on. And I think I mentioned this before we started recording. And then I was listening to your podcast on my long run yesterday and about the nine things, you know, that 
you want to do or not do <laughs> in running. And the first two things that you and Zach had mentioned were two out of the three things that have really helped me on the way. And it was consistency and patience. And I think it's just so important um, to kind of reiterate what you had mentioned. And you did such a good job of like saying uh, how important and why they were important. But I think it's just being setting like a schedule and being really consistent about that schedule, but knowing that maybe those big long-term goals you have are just, they're not going to come right away, but, but they will, you just have to be, be patient. And it's going to sound kind of counterintuitive, um, um, or kind of like opposite, but my third one was a sense of urgency. It, it, it kind of, you know, sense of urgency and patience, you wouldn't necessarily think that they go hand in hand, but they do. So it's, I think from the day to day, having a sense of urgency of, okay, this is what I need to do today to get me to those goals, to where I want to be, but also having that sense of patience to know that it's not going to come right away. But if you just keep at it, you know, eventually you'll, you'll find yourself hitting those goals. So I love that. And that's such a great piece to add in there. Like super important because what we're doing, mm. even though it takes a long time, it matters. The routine that we're doing matters, matters. Yeah. And it's easy to think, oh, like I'm going to have the patience. I'm not, you know, but you still need to have that. Okay. Like, what do I need to do today and then do it? And yeah. So I think that's so important. Even when you're Mm -hmm. like, even when you're injured, it's like, okay, like what kind of rehab can I do right now? Or like, I have this pain in my shin or my foot, like what, what rehab exercises can I do like right now? So that tomorrow, like I feel better and I can go out for that run or something like that. You know, that makes sense. Oh yeah, for sure. It makes a lot of sense to me right now doing a lot of rehab work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't love this rehab, but I love running so much that I'm willing to do all this rehab. (laughs) I know it's harder to have to do those things when you're, when you're injured than it is to just go out for your, for your run. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it all matters in the day-to-day, the sense of urgency, like today I need Mm -hmm. to do this. This is something that's Mm -hmm. important and it's a long game you know, both literally and figuratively for us uh, long distance (laughs) runners, but it truly is. I'm glad that you added that to, to the perspective. Uh, so Mm -hmm. thinking about your, your journey, what are some of the unexpected or maybe expected blessings and rewards of returning to running to running? Um, well, I would say like the, the biggest blessings and rewards are, are always, and for me, like the people that the sport has brought into my life, it's just, oh my gosh, it's just, I mean, like my best friends and, um, and, and I couldn't do any of this without like, I mean, my family, how they show up for me is unbelievable. My support system. And just, I think in doing this, realizing just how much like support and like the love that my family has for me, that they, you know, they want me to succeed and do well. And they show up and it's like, you know, we, if I go for on a, um, if I have a trip plan, you know, my parents and my, my husband's parents are both like, Hey, you know, I'll take the kids. What can I do? And my husband's so supportive and just, you know, just feeling that love they have that they, they're all willing to help out. And they're so encouraging is, um, is wonderful. And then just my best friends are, um, a result of they've been brought into my life because of sport. So that's probably the biggest blessing that has come out of this, um, without a doubt, the people, um, but then also like, I think setting a good example for my kids, you know, showing them that you can work hard at something in, in the harder you work at something, the, the better you are, you know, and, and showing them leading by example for them, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just like, I think carving out some time for myself to do something that kind of fills up my cup and, and lights me up inside has been a blessing for me. You know, I really, um, I really struggled very deeply with mom guilt. Um, I, I thought that if I did anything for myself, then maybe it was, I was being a bad mom, you know, or very early on. And I had to work through a lot of that and realize that filling up my own cup is good for my kids too. So that has been, it was a a very big challenge for me early on and it's easier now, but still something that I think I'll always kind of struggle with. And I think that resonates with so many of us, no matter what the situation Mm -hmm. is in general, it's hard to prioritize because one, it's not as measurable when it comes to our mental and emotional wellness. You know, I think that Mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't 
we aren't able to fully grasp how important that is in our day to day and how it helps us function in other, uh, our other responsibilities. And so then yeah. we end up rushing and we have this mindset that, you know, it's just, we're just checking things off of our list and then there's no room for our, our health, or there's no room for our run or our mobility routine or what have you, because we don't yeah. see it as the important thing that it can truly be to help us have a thriving life. And I love seeing you on Instagram, posting about your mom and your kids and your life <laughs> that you have this full, beautiful, thriving life and how running truly can aid to it. And it's so wonderful to hear you articulate that component of, of the meaningfulness of running in your life. Oh, 100%. And I, th- I think of it, I read in a book somewhere. I love this analogy. It's like, um, think of yourself as a vase, right? And if you're tipping this way and you're tipping that way and you're tipping and you're trying to fill up everybody else's cup and eventually that, that base is going to kind of swirl around and then like tumble and crash. Right. But if you just kind of stand still and you, and you fill up your own vase with water, then it just overflows out into everybody around you. And I feel like, um, in a way that's how like doing this thing for myself, I feel like in a way I'm able to kind of overflow more to, to other people because I'm taking care of myself. And I'm carving out this time for me where I, I do, it's like a meditation. Like I, I think about things and I have some time for myself. And then when I come back, it's like, Oh, I'm like, I'm better. Like my cup is filled. I can give more Mm -hmm. to the people around me. So I think that's definitely one of the unexpected blessings that I've had about Mm -hmm. doing this. And I'm, I'm one of those people, I think like, um, it just moving my body in some way just does so much for, you know, not only my physical health, but my mental health as well. So it's just really important um, for me to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same, same. And I bet a lot of our (laughs) listeners right now are nodding and they're like, yes, that's why I I needed this reminder today. Thank you for sharing that very much. So, um, so I guess along the same lines, we're talking a lot about right now about perspective and in the mindset of running, were there any changes throughout your running career or the times that you weren't running that changed your mindset or helped you solidify your mindset and perspective and things? For sure. I think just being, um, more grateful, um, that I, that I can do this. I mean, it's, I just feel so much more lucky, you know, it's, I don't take it um, for granted and not that I did before, but even more so now, you know, like when you're injured, you really, if you feel it so deeply, like, I wish I could just go out for a run pain-free. And I think doing it this time around, I just feel so much more grateful that I'm even able to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I think from a, from a mindset perspective, um, just seeing things that, you know, I used to think, um, things happen for a reason and, uh, I still think that, but I think to kind of piggyback on that, it's like, um, things are happening. You know, have you heard the quote, uh, things are happening, not to you, but for you. And I think just mm-hmm. being able to see uh, the good in, in like, so I could have been really upset that this injury happened to me, right? Or I could choose to say, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to grow from this? Or how am I going to create good out of this, right? So now it's like, I'm more appreciative because that had happened to me. And um, I try to just let it grow into making me a better person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a beautiful perspective. Yep. To redeem all those, all those hard things, they can be redeemed into good things and things that we can grow. And that doesn't mean that the bad thing was a good thing. It just means that we can make good things from the bad thing. That makes any sense. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't really say it the right way. You said it much more. (laughs) No, no, you said it beautifully. You said it beautifully. I'm just adding to it. (laughs) So with this attitude of gratitude, you ran a 233 marathon and mm-hmm. I would love to hear how that unfolded for you. If you wouldn't mind, our audience loves to hear about races. So can you, oh, can course. you tell us about that race? Yeah. Um, it was actually, it was, it was quite cold. I think and that was the day that, um, Kira D'Amato set the American record. So it was obviously a, a really good day, but I remember being a little nervous about it, even though you think I wouldn't be because I'm from Michigan. But I think the, the field like temperature was maybe 28 degrees and it was quite windy. So I didn't know how it was going to play out. Um, and it was funny, you know, everybody else and I'm from Michigan, everybody else had, you know, their 
short shorts on and they're kind of tank tops. And I had like, um, knee high socks on, I had tights on, I had two long sleeve shirts on, I had a <laughs> the vest on and I just kept kind of stripping clothes as like the race went on. <laughs> but, um, and I remember even the first mile, I, like, I felt like my feet were numb, you know? So I didn't really know. I mean, I knew I was in really good shape, but I, in 233 kind of shape, but I didn't know how it was going to play out because it was a bit, a bit windy, but, um, yeah, I felt good and I kind of settled in with a really big pack. And, um, kind of tried to tuck in as much as I could in that pack because it was so windy. And then the last six or seven miles, I just, I felt really good with about six or seven to go. And I was hitting the fastest miles that I had the whole race. Um, and then the last mile or two was just kind of hang on, but yeah, it was, it was probably one of the more fun races I've, I've ever run because I ended up, um, connecting, uh, with a, another couple of runners and, you know, as long as we could, we kind of chat it, you know, or just little things here and there. And we ended up getting along really well. And yeah, I just love this sport. It's just so much fun. Like the people you meet along the way just makes it so worthwhile, but yeah, it was a really fun race. <laughs> and a really fast one too. <laughs> it, yeah. That had to be exciting. Yeah. It was so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I can't wait for Zach to listen to this conversation because I'm very similar to you where I really love running near other runners. Like mm -hmm. it actually makes me feel we're working together. And yes. so I really, really enjoy that. And he's more of a competitive nature. So it helps him. He likes it for the sense of like helping mm -hmm. urge him on. But like, yeah. I feel like we're all a team. Like when I'm running in a marathon, I'm like, we're all trying to run fast, and, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. It's, funny it's nice to hear you that, say that too. That perspective. I definitely have that perspective now. I didn't always, I think when I was younger, I was very much more competitive. Like well, I need to be number one, or I want to beat you. Now it's, you know, let's all work together as a team. And if we all do great, we all do great. You know, it's, it's definitely more of a team thing for me as well. And the last couple of marathons that I did, I kind of got stuck in no man's land. And this one was just made such a big difference. I mean, it was more pleasurable. It felt easier to run with a pack and yeah, it <laughs> makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I guess my, my final question for now mm -hmm. is how, what would you say to someone who is thinking about returning? Maybe they've had a few months or a year or maybe nine years where they haven't been in this sport. What would, what would you want to say to them? One thing I would say is just like the importance of setting goals, like long-term goals, but really important is the short-term goals, you know, whether it's a week or a month, like what can you do? on a day to day to get your week goal and then your month goal and then your season goal. And then maybe, but always keep that really big goal in the back of your mind because that kind of lights your fire too, right? It's down the road. Like it's what's, you know, maybe you don't want to get out the door for um, your run or a second run that day. But if you kind of think, oh, well, I have this really big goal, like a year from now, um, I need to, what do I need to do today to get that goal? It's, you know, if you think about that, then it'll kind of give you the motivation to do what you need. Uh, on a daily basis. Um, um, but I think also like the little things really add up to big things too. And that's what we were saying kind of with the consistency piece. And I think what uh, has allowed me um, to be consistent over the last couple of years is taking care of the little things, especially now that you know, I just turned 40 this month. So now that I'm a quote unquote, like a master's runner, I think it's even more important to take care of those little things like sleep is huge. Um, eating well is, is so, so big. I don't think I could do what I'm doing now if I didn't really nourish my body, not only with enough foods, but the right kinds of foods. Right. So like, I mean, and I'm not trying to say I'm like, I'm like perfect. I'm, you know, I'm human just like everybody else, but I think trying to really focus on as much as I can doing really like real whole foods, you know, like there's a big difference between a hundred calories of French fries or a hundred calories of like wild blueberries. Right. So like really, um, nutritionally, um, foods that are like nutritional powerhouses. Um, and then I think, um, you know, making sure you're getting enough protein, like, especially to repair your muscles, especially if you're injured. Um, and then a strength routine is really important to, um, coming back just to make sure that your body can build the way that you want it to build. 
Um, and I think the structure of mileage is really important too, being really smart about being consistent, like running at the same time each day and building slowly rather than adding too much and getting set back. So um, yeah, I don't know. Those, those are things probably everybody knows about, but I think just to reiterate, they're important. Mm, I think they're very practical. And I think that mm -hmm. a lot of us know we know we need to make time for those things, the little things like you're saying yeah. and making those choices with urgency. I like that you put yeah. it that way, making these choices with urgency, knowing that they matter, even though it takes a long time to see mm -hmm. the fruition for us to hear, hear that. I think sometimes it takes it a few times. I'm not the only <laughs> one. I know some of you guys are listening. And you're like, I'm with you, Andy. Sometimes it takes a few times to hear something and to really, to buckle down, to get the discipline, to, to do the little things and to do it correctly and help yeah. this whole journey of returning. It's, it's about, you know, our mental and our physical health that we were talking about before and finding that space for ourselves and filling our mm -hmm. cup. But if we can do that in a way that feels better and we're able yeah. to be better runners, that's going to just make the whole experience that much better. Yeah. And, and really at the end of the day, it, it's about like fun. I mean, keeping it fun and, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at and I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't enjoy myself and if it didn't add to my life. And if it gets to the point where it's adding stress or it's detracting from your life, then maybe it's time to rethink your goals, you know, and if your goal is just to, you know, go out and run for 20 or 30 minutes, a couple of days a week for your mental health, that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, I thrive kind of an environment where I am setting these like big dreamy goals. And then I'm doing things every day to go after them. Like that kind of helps me, you know, but it, if it helps you to just run 20 minutes and then just to get some endorphins flowing, then, then there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's important too to decide like, what are your goals, you know, whether they're big or just for for physical health. And there's nothing wrong with either one of them. Thank you so much, Andrea, for coming mm -hmm. on the show. We could keep talking for a really long time. I can feel that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I so appreciate you coming on and connecting with us here at A to Z running and our audience. We've loved having you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I love your show. And like, I, I think I said this before you press record, but it's such an honor to be to be on your show with the quality of guests that you have. It's just, um, I appreciate you having me on so much. Thank you, Andrea. That was such a great conversation that had a lot about goal setting and it had very practical stuff when it comes to returning to run running after a long period of time off. I loved what she said and we teased it. It's the name of this, this episode, but the patience with a sense of urgency and how she brings those two together. I think that is so valuable. I thought it was brilliant, really the way that she put it, because I think a lot of times when we think of being patient, we just sit on things maybe a little too much and not, and we don't have the same kind of um, excitement, like get up, get up in the morning and get going. And every day has importance. And for her, as she discussed loving the process, we talk about that a lot on the show, loving the process, she was able to get to her goals because she maintained a sense of urgency while being patient with herself and setting realistic and incremental goals throughout her journey. So, mm. so if the keys to success previously were consistency and patience, patience consistency and patience, then we need to also add urgency. I think so. To, I don't mind I love doing that. that. And a matter of fact, we're going to have to update our rules to realize yes. your dreams. That's what she was referring include. to on the podcast. Did you, did you, Wait, yeah. She listened to that. Yeah, she did. She listened cool. to that episode and That's, she said, you know, that was, like she was going to say those two things. And then we said them on that episode. Mm. So she couldn't as she steal was reflecting. Ours. Well, and then she was able to expound upon it and mm. then give us this really valuable nugget of having this sense of urgency and being disciplined each day to do what we can and have, mm. have that, um, I mean, we have to be patient because it, it does take a long time. But what I do today really does matter. So having that, and we're going to talk next week then a little bit more with a, with actually a medical professional about this and how it pertains to returning to running as well. So you're going to want to make sure you subscribe and listen to that show too. That's good. If I can riff on the urgency piece just a moment too in, yeah, in my own experiences. Are you going to like but, also put it into Andy, like riff some just sort needs of to talk about something? Uh, I was hoping more. for like more okay, performance so if, from you. Okay, so if I may because it's true that there's a com combination involved here and I tend to notice at that 
interval experience um, when you're kind of going in and out of different phases of things. Um, when the urgency slackens, the consistency becomes more difficult. Mm, and sure. the urgency isn't an urgency to see progress, although we tend to be tempted to feel that urgency. It's not an urgency to be successful, although, again, we tend to feel that urgency. Um, where I find the urgency to be the most productive, and this is what she was talking about, is that sense of like needing to be consistent. Like the urgency is to fall into the pattern and then hold it uh, as closely as you can reasonably do so within the balance. Um, and that's, I think that's a valuable thing because it creates a sense of like, if there's a disruption, because there will be, there's always going to be disruptions. Um, and so when those disruptions occur, then my urgency is trying to demand that I get back into the routine and rhythm as effectively and soon as quickly as possible. And so that's that's a key piece. Now, the the challenge is how that can be done without compromising life's balances and things like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, so that's that's very difficult. And I think that we have to have the priorities aligned for that. Um, that's a, a great conversation going back to the passion paradox. We always refer to that book because it's a great read on these concepts. Um, but when Stolberg and Magnus are writing about uh, that balance of the all-in mindset versus um, not having the all-in mindset and how sometimes it's more like a seasonal kind of experience, um, I think it also has to do with aspects of things. So like I'm all-in committed to having a routine that does not necessarily mean that the routine is all consuming mm. and that's difficult. And I think it's so interesting as you're talking about this. I think this is another practical thing that our audience can take away. I certainly can. That when you have this, you talked about that all in mindset for consistency. The wonderful thing about doing that is that then it becomes a habit and you don't have to feel like it's all in. And then you could have urgency that brings you to another aspect of your training. And so then you're not that's the cool thing about continuing to have the consistency over time is that you keep refi refining your process. And yeah, I think because routines then become habits, I think that's what I'm trying to get at here. Mm. Um, and then it's not as hard to do that. It's not as hard to do the things that you've been doing day in and day out. That is good. The other reason why you need urgency is because you need to be urgently interested <laughs> in learning more about these concepts. And, and and this is actually, this is a very sincere comment. Um, I'm not just tongue in cheek advertising our products and such, but um, the urgency toward like, I shouldn't ever be content with my current level of understanding of a thing that I'm you know, highly invested in. So certainly we're not going to pursue deep levels of understanding of every single thing in life because we don't have the time to do that. But if I am really invested in running, for example, um, I shouldn't do so with a stagnant level of understanding and engagement with the ideas. Um, you know, I should be pursuing greater sense of how do I do this well? How do I do this efficiently and effectively? All of that. So there's that too. Mm -hmm. and, and a great way to satisfy that urgency is to listen to the agency running podcast <laughs> and pursue some of our other things, which we'll talk about soon. But we've got some interesting updates to share with you from the world of running next. This week in the world of running, we're starting again with some A to Z runner shout outs. Aaron ran the Trans Rockies multi-stage event. Multi-stage. 118 miles <laughs> over six days it was yeah, I th zach you put me on the spot i think it was six it was days. six days it was Monday five or six saturday days. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. and she was fifth overall <laughs> all right she i mean major props to aaron nice job incredible christy and dan o ran the riley trails half marathon mm -hmm. and dan o was first in his age group nice. and lewis ran the marathon Excellent. as part of his training and then bill he landed a podium in another 5K, which I feel like we say every other he's weekend. He's been top three in every podcast. single race he's run in the last Pretty like, three exciting. months. Yeah, and he yeah. got a new shiny 5K PR. Shiny. Yeah. Don't know how a PR shines, but nice work, Bill. Nice work, Bill. Congrats. And it was a milestone PR at that, which is always exciting. Mm-hmm. 
Good stuff. All right. These are fun times. Speaking of fun times, the Diamond League is back Mm -hmm. after uh, some championship stuff going on through the middle of the summer. And Diamond League is now going to help us close out the summer and early fall and with some exciting track action. This from Poland in their first Diamond League appearance. Um, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say. This meeting was not a Diamond League before, but it is now. Yep. Or at least it was this year, and hopefully continues to be so. And that was a place that might be called Silesia, if I pronounce that anywhere near correctly. <laughs> and uh, some interesting some interesting happenings, which is always kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, you tend to see during this time of year a, a kind of like a little bit of almost a, a slight dip in the competitive edge because they're coming off the big championship stuff, and they can't just hold their peak racing shape for like 10 weeks straight. So you'll see a lot of the athletes kind of have a slightly stale couple of weeks as they're kind of recharging and Some. then they jump back I on. But that, not, yeah, yeah, didn't seem like it here. Yeah, so I, I'm guessing that it's probably strategic. Like at mm-hmm. what timing are you going to do that? It depends on how the athlete feels, and that's why it's always important for the athlete to be communicating with their coach and to really try to figure out what's a what's their pattern. You know, what? how long can my peak be? How long can we extend these things? What do I need to be able to perform maybe in another few weeks at a Diamond League that I would care to do even you know better um, place better at so yeah there's just so many considerations but we did have really good performances Stefan Hassan finally was able to claim a win it seems like it's been a while for her since the Olympics last yeah, summer yeah <laughs> and uh, she ran the women's 3,000 meter run and we weren't able to see this event we weren't able to see um, there was no- nothing posted afterwards so from what I see Stefan Hassan ran an 839.27 over Taye. And Margaret um, Kip Kemboy was third. So these are these are names that we are very familiar with. These are you know top are, level are names. We, are, are we all very familiar? Well, maybe not when I say it, but <laughs> no. Yes, but these but... are really strong performers. So the fact that Stefan Hassan was able to pull out this victory, what I'm trying to say is that this was a significant thing for her after having kind of a rough World Championships. Yeah, and Hassan was clearly in good shape in the World Championships because she was there in the final moments of both events that she ran, I think, if I'm recalling. Maybe she faded earlier a little bit more in the 5K, but um, she was there. She just didn't quite have the the final lap speed that the others did who beat her. and and now this is showing that maybe that's starting to come back a bit too. Right. So maybe she's in time for some diamond league victories here. For some money. Yeah. <laughs> maybe there's some more money. money to be won here. Uh it's very possible. I mean let's be honest, there is more money to be made in Diamond League than in World Championship. So if you do all of If you that. do all yeah, I guess yeah. in the single event world championship pays out more. But that's an isolated event compared to all the Diamond Leagues and then winning the overall Diamond League. Then you earn money from that too. So I guess I haven't done the Since math. Since all of you are know. trying to earn money in the Diamond League, you're very interested in <laughs> how to do that. But speaking of fast runners in yeah. this event and the 800, and Andy's favorites were coming out. Ajay Wilson. So Ajay Wilson, she, we've had her in the podcast. She's you know former American record holder, and she yeah, she's got a lot of accolades she, behind her. But she um, was able to win and claim this Diamond League victory, and she just edged out Sage Herda of the OAC for the win, and that was really exciting to see Sage really coming into this uh, Diamond League strong like this. And she so it was top two were Americans, you know, so that fun. was really exciting to see in the eight hundred meter run and then continuing the theme of really close 800 meter races because that one was really close as well the men's 800 meter run was also a battle to the finish with Emmanuel career winning over Ferguson Rodich by only four hundredths of a second wow and then Tony Van uh, Dypen of the Netherlands was only four hundredths of a second behind Rodich so within a single so, tenth in a the single top tenth, three all yep. finished yep that's pretty close together yeah that's why I wish I saw a recap because <laughs> Ken- I wanted Kenyan to see that. Kenyan countrymen going one-two, representing uh, what they did in the Olympics last year too, the two of them. So that must have been kind of exciting. Yeah, very fun stuff. Yeah. Well, there were other things going on as well on the tune of championship level racing, and so this is one. If you recall, we mentioned Jake Whiteman of Great Britain and his experience. Um, 
specifically after winning the championship his dad who is his coach was interviewed and it was a very fascinating interview one of the things they were talking about were uh coming back off the world championships to race the commonwealth games just like right afterward um I didn't know a lot about the Commonwealth Games. I'd heard of it before, but I wasn't super familiar because here in the U.S. we don't participate. Because we are not we're part, not part of, of the British Commonwealth. Exactly. So, so, but for those countries that are... Yeah. Well, I wanted to give like big. just a just a couple things about it to help you know more about the Commonwealth Games. It runs every four years, and it's all, it was first known as the British Empire Games. <laughs> Wonder why they changed that. <laughs> and then athletes from 72 different nations and territories participated in the 2022 Commonwealth Games, but that did include other sports besides athletics. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly how many were specifically in track and field, um, but it, it it's a very ex- like dense field of really amazing athletes. So those that weren't at Diamond League, it just seems like there were, almost all the major players seem to be racing this past week. Um, yeah. And it, it should it should be noted the Commonwealth Games usually occurs in an off year of World Championships. So there's a, a usually World Championships runs every other year and the even years are either an Olympic Games year or a Commonwealth Games year. And so the Commonwealth Games are usually the only championship like major international championship going on that summer. Mhm. In this instance, it was just a week after World Championships, which is uncommon. <laughs> yep, uncommon for sure. Well, the men's 1500 was a thrill to watch, and we have embedded it at adazyrunning.com so you can watch it. I would recommend it. It was very fast. For a minute, it looked like it was going to be a replay of the World Championships, mm. just for a minute. And it was an exciting turn of events when Oliver Hoare stormed down to claim the victory in a championship record time. Now, how that happened, Whiteman made a move at 200 meters. Um, it was Chariot who was leading. and Timothy Chariot of Kenya. And um, just like he did in the World Championships. So that's why I was saying it was like, kind of like deja vu. And he took the lead, but then it was Oliver Hoare on the final curve. He was fifth at the final curve. And then he ended up taking the entire race and he was not leading the race until he won the race like it was he was just passed finished in one <laughs> well so ali hor has a very tactical mind in racing you can see this anytime he races um, he does exactly what he needs to do to be in the best possible chance to win the race and very rarely does he not execute well so like when he doesn't win races it's simply because people just outkick him uh, you know outbest him uh, in the moment when he's executing the strategy or he gets stuck in a bad stuck spot, which is kind of what happened in the world championships along with uh, a couple of other instances this year. But in this instance, he was exactly where he needed to be in all the right moments. And when it came time down the final straight, he blazed down and trashed everyone. It was, it was quite yeah. impressive. It was very impressive. So Oliver's record time was three thirty point. One two, and he was nine hundredths of a second ahead of Chariot and point four one ahead of White. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a close race, exciting one to watch, and I will also link to Oliver Hoare's episode with us. I know I always say this, but I think it's really cool to get into these athletes' heads that we have interviewed on this podcast. So, I will link to that as well. And noted that was the first time since nineteen fifty eight that a Australian won the 1500 in the Commonwealth Games. How did you know that? Because they said it in the video. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which, again, I've linked to at adazrunning.com. <laughs> and the women's 800 was very interesting. Wouldn't you say, Zach? It was odd. It, it wasn't odd. It was I different. Mean, it was different. It, the, the race did not happen the way an 800 usually does. Right. And and simply because Mary Mora of Kenya went out very fast yes. through the first 400, which sometimes that's an intentional, a deliberate strategy. Um, but in a field like this, you don't want to do that because there's a lot of really fast women in this field. Um, and so what it appeared to be was she immediately decided that was a bad idea and slowed down right away after the the first lap. And so everyone starts going around her and she goes all the way to last place. But she clearly wasn't dying because she held on to the group and just stayed right there. And then with about 200 to go, she starts moving back up. And then with 100 to go, she starts cutting through the crowd and ends up 
blazing down Keely Hodgkinson, who should not be outkicked when she's got a lead on someone like that with a final 100. She is one of the better last 100-meter runners in the 800 in the world. And yet, Mary Mora, who just seems to be able to pull it together when she needs to. I mean, did her little break in the middle of the race help her out? refreshing pause. (laughs) I don't know. It was just such an interesting strategy. It did look like it was possible that that was all intentional like that, but I've never seen an 800 run that way. No, no, not, not like that. But it, the times were fast, so Mary Mora ended up running 157.07. Mm. That's almost a championship record. So Yeah, games records 156.6 something, so that was really good. You can watch that race. I have that embedded at A2ZRunning.com. And then just one final note that's interesting. Eilish McCulgan, she was first in the 10,000-meter run in a games record time. And it's kind of cool. Her mom was a two-time Commonwealth champion. Ah. So she's following in her mother Liz's footsteps. She's broken a lot of her mom's records. True. Uh, and this year has been crazy with records for Eilish. And then she was second. Eilish was second in the 5,000. She came back to run a really strong 5,000-meter run as well. So I thought that was a interesting side note on, on the event. Final interesting note about the Commonwealth Games specifically is that the runners in this particular event represent their precise nationality, not like, well, for instance, so it's not Great Britain, it's England or Scotland. Like they're, they specifically represent that branch. So I find that to be interesting because then, you know, you have runners who like Eilish McColgan and Keely Hodgkinson, for instance, they're not in the same events, but um, in the world championships, they were wearing the Great Britain uh, uniform. But in the Commonwealth Games, England has a separate uniform from Scotland. Right. And so they had, you know, something different, which is kind of, it's kind of cool. It's, yeah. it's like a, a more, it's a more precise flavor in terms yeah. of the kind of like cut of all these representations from all these different places. Yeah, it's neat. And Zach made this comment, but like, it's kind of cool. They get two sets of championship <laughs> uniforms. <laughs> they just get more awesome gear. More awesome gear. Not that we do it for the gear, but the gear is pretty awesome. Some, some do it for the gear. <laughs> So this last thing is old news, new shoes. Oh, come on. Oh, you love it. You love my I don't. titles. Well, 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 this might be old news. For many of us, it's like news because it was kind of glided by. It was not. Be- because it's not news. It's just something that happens all the time and people get mad about it when they want to get mad about it. So it's about shoes. Shortly, eight months after the rule that athletes, an athlete's shoe must be available to all the participants. So you, Remember you that can't rule? run in secret prototype shoes that everyone else can't buy. Eight that months after, the, World yeah. Athletics quietly reversed their decision. Now they call it like the development shoe rule. There are still rules about stack height and materials, but an athlete is allowed to wear a prototype that's not available. Maybe not available to anyone else. Maybe it's just them. So like it's Kipchoge kind of interesting. And his own unique shoes, yeah. which, which did happen. Yep. And I wanted to read this part of what the World Athletics issued. The amendment to the rule will allow development shoes to be worn in international competitions and competition sanctioned by member federations where World Athletics rules are applied prior to their avail- availability to other athletes. That's mm. the change there. Upon approval of the shoe specifications by World Athletics, these shoes will have to meet the same technical specifications as other approved shoes. Yeah. So they can't go crazy, um, but, I mean, there are advancements. And the reason why I found this all out is because Laura Muir was wearing a prototype at the Commonwealth Games, and there was a little, you know, thread on Let's Run. But very interesting. So now you might see shoes that, you know, uh, in, in races and whatnot that you haven't seen yet, and that's because they are now allowed to wear the prototypes again. Which just simply brings us back to the way it has always been. Um, and, and it's for one simple reason. The only reason they changed that rule for a brief period of time there is because Nike was developing some things that nobody else had ever seen before. Um, when, when they were starting to do that stuff with carbon and the, the super crazy springy foam, um, no one had ever seen that kind of stuff before. It was something totally new to the market and world athletics wanted to just pause that crazy breakneck speed that Nike was churning out something different all like all the time. And they were throwing new shoes on people like every month or so. Um, and they were like, this is 
this is a little too wild. We need everybody to kind of catch up a little bit and figure out what's going on. So they put that rule in place because they didn't even know what was going on themselves. Once they got a handle on what was happening and technologically what kinds of advancements were going on, it goes back to the same old situation, which is, you know, yes, you can put new shoes on your athletes because, you know, that's what they do. It's partly because they're getting attention for their brand, and it's partly because they're testing things and seeing how athletes like them and respond to them. Um, and I don't see a problem with that. Yeah, I guess I could see where there would be a debate, though, because then if an athlete is unsponsored for one reason or another, you know, where there's so much that goes into that, it's not just by times anymore. Sometimes it's how many do they have like social media following and this and that and the other thing. So right, the but- availability of technology gives an a, a obvious adv- advantage to one athlete over another athlete. So, so, so. So, so so does the contract sponsorship where they're paying them lots of money and they're giving them yeah. free access to facilities and they're giving them recovery thing. recovery products and things that no one has ever seen before. And I mean, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, Andy, the entire game is built on the premise that some people have and some people don't. And I'm not sure you're ever going to fix that. Gotcha. Well, unless you get rid of all corporate involvement. All interesting stuff. Speaking of interesting, this is the end of our episode, and we love to hear from you. So like Zach was saying earlier, communicate. Let us know what you want to hear on this show. Thanks to Andrea for being willing to really share the highs and lows of her journey and bring us through what has helped her be so successful in running. Not just her numbers, not just her performance, but her love for the process and getting back into the sport that she loved after years off. Mm. So it was a very inspiring episode. Thank you, Andrea. Indeed that. And if you need something more than you have right now in your running endeavors and you're not finding it via the places you've looked so far, maybe you should check out adizyrunning.com. Look for the word coaching because we may just have a support or service that can benefit you and your work. And even if there's not something quite right there, we certainly would love to interact with you. And so ask a question, share a thought, comment on the stuff. Yeah. All the places where people do those things. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll talk to you next week.